Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about the cash flow awareness exercise. Now, we're going to show you how and why it's better than a budget, how instead of a budget, it's this fun, simple, and doable way of tracking your spending. You're going to find out how to increase your cash flow by paying attention to it. And you're going to get the tools and the exact steps that you need to go from being out of control to being the boss of your money without having to scrimp, cut back, or beat yourself into submission. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Marshall, and this is Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Yes, this is this is um, a topic that our listeners can either say, "Oh, I want to know more about this," or they're they're saying, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to listen to this because mm-hmm. I, I already, I don't like to, to put myself on a budget." And you know, you're telling me I can't have my five dollars Starbucks Starbucks coffee, and you know, I make mm-hmm. hundred thousand dollars a year. You shouldn't be telling me how much I should be saving and so on and so forth. And all we're saying is, is that we're not trying to put you on a budget. We're just trying to make you aware where your cash is flowing. If you're aware where your cash is flowing, you will make different decisions. I guarantee you. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for bringing that out front and center, because I think that's one of the main reasons that people struggle with this whole idea of tracking their money or budgeting as most people call it. And so that's going to be a a key theme that we talk about how to have the right mindset as you're going about this exercise. And it's the so, same thing for our business owners. Absolutely. Um, I was just met, I just sat down with a business owner the other day who owns a, uh, a small health food restaurant. And, um, you know, we were talking about CBD oil, which is kind of a mm-hmm. buzzword, you know, for, for alternative mes- medicine. And, she was struggling to pay her bills, but she went and bought $1,200 worth of CBD oil. And she said, mm-hmm. look at my profit margins. And I'm like, well, that's great right now, but look at your what you're losing because you're not paying off these other interest-bearing accounts. So mm-hmm. it, our business owners, we're going to talk about this in kind of a personal way, but our business owners can benefit from this also. Absolutely. And I- Even before we jump in, I love that you brought out the business owner idea because as a business that's in business to make a profit, you have to be paying attention to your income and your expenses. But when we slip over to the personal side, often we do things completely different and we don't pay attention and monitor and keep a pulse on really what's happening with that income and expenses so that we can watch what our cash flow or our personal profit is. And so really what we want to do is take those business concepts of accounting really in the simplest form over into the personal finance side and say, how can we use this to make sure that personally we're profitable? So as we set the stage here, really the ultimate goal of cash flow awareness is to have more to save each month. And why do we want more money to save? Well, if we think about the cash flow creation system, having more money to save means that you have more capital that you can then invest in cash flowing assets. That then allows you to create and build time and money freedom. So 
Instead, a lot of times people will let every month slip by without that good pulse on cash flow. And that means another month of not living up to your potential and not getting closer to time and money freedom. A lot of people are afraid of budgeting. It's stressful. It can be time consuming. It can be complicated and messy. It can have interpersonal um, tension if you're talking about budgeting or, or monitoring your spending with a spouse. And so sometimes just having the idea of monitoring your money brings up so much stress that people avoid it completely. Maybe you don't want to instigate that conflict. Yeah. What was that, Bruce? Well, the reason that my, my observation is the reason it brings up stress is because it brings a self accountability mm-hmm. you don't want to uh, you don't want to admit to yourself that you frivolously spend thing on things and I think that's where the the stress comes from it's like oh no if I look at this then I have to I have to be a, uh, aware that I'm the problem uh, I'm spending right. money on things that I don't need to spend and then I feel stress at the end of the month. And then I blame everybody else for my stress. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, gasoline is too expensive or inflation or this, I'm not getting enough of government assistance or my parents didn't, you know, um, educate me well enough on, on this and so on and so forth. And it's just, it's everybody else's fault, but yours. When you're looking at your finances, you realize that it is your responsibility. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it can be the other direction too. And maybe it's, the other spouse, maybe you're the one who's more intentional and planful and purposeful, but it's the other spouse that's spending all kinds of money that you didn't agree to and you really don't agree with their habits, but you don't want to bring up the conflict mm-hmm. or the tension and, and you don't want to jump into the middle of that hot seat. You would rather just kind of avoid the topic altogether. And no matter how you look at it, avoiding paying attention to your spending will never allow you to move forward. And so really what we want to do as well as we're looking at this whole idea of cash flow awareness is that a lot of times the whole idea of denying yourself all these things that you want today seems the opposite of living that life that you love today. It seems the opposite of the abundant and full life. I mean, if you are really in abundance, then why can you not just enjoy everything now and have everything that you want now? But how do you go from not having any idea where your money's going each month to an awareness that informs your conscious spending on what matters most to you while also giving your full attention to living the life that you're creating in the future. So today we're going to give you a new lens on spending that's all about what you can have, not about what you can't. And you're going to feel empowered to move from that confusion to clarity to see where your money is going each month. So again, where does this fit in the cash flow system? It's just one small step in the greater picture. So it's part of the foundation. The reason it's part of the foundation is that you can't save to build up capital to put to work if you don't have a grasp on the fundamentals of how much money you have coming in each month, how much is going out, and what that difference is, your monthly cash flow. So let's dive in. Bruce, what would you say is the purpose, the number one overall purpose that we need to keep in mind as we're focusing on cash flow awareness? Why do we do this in the first place? Well, there are a variety of ways, but I think it are a variety of reasons why you should do it. But I think it really comes down to the inner comfort uh, of you emotionally. And it's, it's interesting, and I'm certainly not a psychologist or psychiatrist, but at, talking to different ones, we don't even, we're not even aware of what we feel subconsciously. Uh, mm-hmm. And when we 
when we have the the safety net, and we and we did a small podcast on this before, where we said actually saving gives you the ability to to free yourself up in all aspects of your life, and that, mm-hmm. and that allows you to buy insurances that free yourself up um, in all aspects of your life. Uh, we were just talking on the lunch table yesterday about myself and another uh, E3 wealth uh, advisor. Um, both got hit right outside our offices by uninsured motorists. Mm. Both of them were just hysterical because they knew that they didn't have insurance and it was going to change their lives. So the savings does the same thing. If you don't have savings for your, your basic needs, then subconsciously you're thinking, even if you think you're a free spirit and mm-hmm. oh, I don't, I don't need this. I'm just going to live life day to day you end up subconsciously not living the best life that you can. I absolutely agree. And I think what happens in that subconscious piece is that there's not really that stability for the future. So you might feel like you're living today how you want to, but there's not a peace of mind that you're going to be able to live tomorrow how you want to. And sometimes we might not even be aware of that, but when that stability is in place beneath us, then we have that, ability to truly enjoy today more fully because we know that we're also going to enjoy tomorrow. Absolutely. And then, and that comes into another kind of mindset is, okay, so are you, are you saving in a scarcity mindset? So where you're just saying, oh, I want to save because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job tomorrow or Mm -hmm. am I saving? And you know, both you and I don't necessarily espouse this, but we're not going to tell other people how to live their lives. Um, or am I, am I saving because I want to retire at age 65 or am mm-hmm. I saving because I want to uh, make a career change either into another W2 job or start another business? So having those, having those, uh, those goals are, are things that you actually would like to focus on is another good reason of why cash flow awareness is, is of the utmost importance so that you can put money away for whatever the reason is that you want to move forward into the future. Absolutely. And I would say it kind of all boils down to the number one reason why we're doing a cash flow awareness in the first place is because you want to have the ability to save first and spend the rest. Now, most of the time we do things completely opposite and we spend what we feel like we need to spend, then we save what's left over. But the goal is to be able to do what the richest man in Babylon, the book talks about as a wealth principle, the number one thing that you want to have set up in your financial life, and that's to save first or live on less than you earn or keep a one gold coin in your purse and set your purse to fattening is actually the the way it says it in that book. But it's this idea that you're always keeping a portion of what you make and spending the rest. Now, many people are not in that position yet. And so that's why we want to have a cash flow awareness So we can look at what money we're spending so we can purposefully save so that we can move forward in the future, have that emergency and opportunity fund, have that money to be able to put into cash flowing assets, have the money to be able to put put into things that are going to produce cash flow and help you build time and money freedom. So I want to say this, if you're already consistently saving, say you're saving 20 or 30% of your income today already, you've already mastered that end goal of saving first and spending the rest. So that means your spending is in check. There's not as much reason to comb through your expenses like we're going to talk about in this exercise 
unless you're looking for ways to free up additional cash flow. Now, however, Bruce and I would also always say it's really important that no matter how much you're consistently saving, you want to have a consistent habit and discipline built into your life that you're aware of what's going on in your financial life and what is going in and out of your bank account because that awareness will allow you to stay in control. So the way you can increase your cash flow so you can save more is to either increase your income or decrease your expenses. So cash flow <laughs> it's a simple what? formula. It's it, <laughs> right. It's implementing that f- formula that's difficult. <laughs> right. It is. And often we need to do both. Often we need to increase the income and we need to decrease the expenses. And so the cash flow awareness, we're going to talk about how to decrease your expenses without the scarcity and the yuckiness that normally is associated with budgeting. And we're going to talk you through all of that. So really, why do people have that confusion? I mean, we kind of talked about this at the beginning, but Bruce, why do you feel like people have confusion or are not aware of where their money's going? Well, this is a deep, this is a very deep, a very deep topic. Be, uh, part of the reason I believe is because the United States has a consumer type mentality and we're inundated by it over and over and over. And we are mm-hmm. not taught, um, we are not taught good money habits for the most part by our parents. And there's, and there's a, there's a variety of reasons for that. Uh, part of we, and we can get into the economics of this and I'll just hit on it um, real quickly, but really inflation has gotten out of control. Um, silent inflation where people don't even know it or they don't even, mm-hmm. even aware of it for the past 100 years, ever since uh, the federal reserve was, was, uh, actually created. And then when we went off the gold standard under Nixon, it, it got out of control even more. And so that changed, right. that changed the, the uh, mentality of the family where the, where you had one income you, um, earner, usually the, the father, and he, he was actually in more of an industrial type um, situation where he was working from eight to five and they had mm-hmm. family time and, they were sharing their their experiences with through through uh, family meals, um, and then as as inflation came up, to to stay up with the Joneses and in, in our consumer society, mm-hmm. and just frankly, just to stay up normally, uh, the mother went to work, and and this I'm not saying that's not bad because I I have a very successful wife and she's she's smarter than I am and she's <laughs> she can contribute to society better than I can tr- contribute it. Uh, contribute to society, but the fact and and women ought to work when they when they want to, and men ought to work when they want to, or men ought to stay home when they want to. It's it's, it's mm-hmm. agreed. But the fact of the matter is, the the more that we are doing those kind of things, the less time we spend with our children, and then in our consumer society, we've also have all these activities that we sign our children up to, so we have mm-hmm. less time to to do more activities, so it. It just means that we are talking about things like money even less and less than the old the the older days or days of of, of that have gone by where we had more of a, a rural uh, setting, farmers, uh, factory workers that actually valued saving, and were teaching that to their children. 
I would agree. And even just as you're talking about the consumer mentality, I mean, this podcast is not going to air immediately. But as we're coming up on the holiday season, I think a lot of times there can be that feeling of um, I need something else material in order to satisfy me to make sure that Christmas is magical and the holidays are magical. And it's almost like we we have this dissatisfaction with where we currently are. So we're always having this striving and need for more. And now I absolutely don't think that it's wrong to want and desire things. I think that's a good, healthy, normal and natural thing that we desire. But at the same time, if we're being motivated and driven by we step into the mall or step into the department store and all of the beautiful things and the commercials, the advertisements and all the signs and everything makes us buy something that we weren't intending to buy, then we can be pulled along emotionally very easily and led to spend way more than we had ever intended to. And, and what I, I, I think listeners know, I, I taught for 17 years. So I, I saw the interactions between parents and their children. And oftentimes, parents think children are a lot more fragile than they actually are. And, <laughs> yeah. and they think, oh, I can't tell them no, or I, I can't do this, I can't do that. I just had this conversation What's the day? The day is uh, Wednesday. So I just had this conversation on f- Sunday with a with a worker at our uh, the country club that I belong to, and she she was telling me about how she had gotten fired from a previous job right before Christmas, and she wasn't going to be able to to uh, buy her son any Christmas presents when he was twelve years old. And I said, "Well, did you?" Did you talk to him about it? And she said, no, I'm not going to say that to a child. I said, well, what did you do? Well, I just, I couldn't really give him a Christmas present. And mm. I, I said, you know, he really wasn't bothered by that. <laughs> you know, he, he might've been a, a little disappointed on the outside, but if you would have talked to him about it, he would have totally understood. And he would have learned some lessons about money. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is this is another reason as we go back to why people don't look into their finances because they don't want to face face these realities. I agree. I think um, a couple things that come up to my mind real quickly that are, we're going to touch on as we go through this podcast today is that um, budgeting can be stressful and unpredictable, and especially it's it's unpredictable to look at your future and say, "I know exactly how much I'm going to spend," because we don't. We have unexpected things crop up. We want to buy a new toy or clothes that weren't planned for, or we have to replace the tires on a car, or we have Christmas coming up. That's something that's an irregular expense. So those things that are miscellaneous or irregular can be challenging, even if someone is very intentional with how they spend money. So that's one. I think there can be that lack of awareness um, and almost like that game of ostrich where the ostrich's head is down in the sand that hoping not to overdraft or saying, you know, I'm just going to spend this and I hope everything works out. Or even sometimes it's that bank, I I call it the bank account budgeting, where people say, well, if it's in the account, I can spend it. But that isn't a problem then because you're not thinking about what you're going to need to spend tomorrow when there might not be money in the bank account. So those are a few things that I think contribute to this lack of awareness or lack of a desire and motivation sometimes to look at our budgeting and where our money is going. And I hesitate to even use that word budgeting. And we're going to talk about that right now. So what Rachel, before you go there, because I don't want people that have good habits to be leaving the podcast right now, because 
I'm, I'm going to give another example. I, I'm in a networking group and there's this guy in there that is 68 years old and he, he comes to meetings with a, with a cutoff t-shirt on sweatpants, old tennis shoes and old, an old baseball hat. And uh, he shared with me cause he knows I'm a financial guy. He shared with me because his finances, because he wants to see if he can improve upon it. Well, he has, he, when you, when I give you that description, you would think, oh, well, he's not doing very well, but he has a $4,800 a month pension, $2,200 a month social security. And he has $1.1 million in a brokerage accounts and savings accounts. Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask any of the other 24 people that are in this group, they would not have been aware of this. So right. he is constantly trying to figure out how he can live his life better financially. And when the other people in the group found out about this, later on, he shared it with other people. Their first reaction was, well, that's, that's silly how he dresses then, that he doesn't have a newer car. You know, he, he drives because he does. He drives up in this like 1985 car <laughs> that's loud and obnoxious. And, uh, awesome. and once again, we've 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 changed the way that we we feel about our money. And we we put those feelings on somebody else. So even if somebody is doing really, really well, you can learn to do things even better. Uh, going forward, as long as you become a lifelong learner. Oh, I love that you said that. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And so yes, even if you're already saving money, and you have wonderful savings habits, these steps that we're going to walk you through are going to be something that might help you up level and have a greater intention and awareness on your cash flow. So thank you for sharing that, Bruce. So we don't like the word budgeting. And this is something that Bruce and I have talked about several times, and I think has even probably come out in several podcasts. But what I feel about budgeting is that it it reeks of scarcity. Mm. It's usually this, I can't have this, I can't have that, I can't do this. It's these limits. It's restrictions. It's like a diet. It's all the enjoyments of life that you have to push out of your life because you don't deserve them or you can't afford them. And when you focus from a mindset of budgeting, it feels like life is just, it feels like it's not thriving and abundant. It feels like it's not um, doing, living how you really want to truly live and living your, your best life now. Rachel, the, the diet example is a great example. And I hope I can convey my thoughts here. But I, when people say I'm on a diet, it's, they never say it in a positive way, right? Right, right. And I tell people all the time, well, you're everybody's on a diet. It's just whether you're, it's a, you're on a good diet or a bad diet. What you're now what you're now saying is I'm being aware of what I'm putting in my body. Mm-hmm. That's what people really mean when they say they're on a diet. So that's great. Yes. So in budgeting, when people say, oh, I got to get on a budget. I mean, I've heard people say that. Yeah, I know. Some of my clients will say, yeah, I know. I need I need to get on a budget. What they're really saying, just like when people say, I need to get on a diet, what they're really saying is, I need to be aware of where my money's going. So yeah. it's the same thing. So if people can relate 
to dieting, then they can should be able to relate to what we're saying, the difference between budgeting and being aware of where your money's flowing. Yes, absolutely. And so I would say instead of budgeting, that's why we talk about cash flow awareness or a spending plan. So those are going to be some words that we use as opposed to a budget because of the negative connotation around that budgeting word. So instead, we want to come at all of our financial life from an abundance perspective. We want to know that there's more than enough. We can create income. Our money is expansive and we can live our best life starting right now and today. However, that doesn't mean we want to be oblivious to our spending habits. I want to point out something that's really interesting. Just a simple awareness of something can begin to improve it. I mean, think about any area of your life that you're aware in. If you're aware of how you are approaching your marriage or your parenting or your social life or your financial life or your health, you're going to be intentional and specific and make moves in that area of your life to improve it. And something that you have no awareness of is not going to improve. It's just going to kind of fall apart. I mean, if you didn't ever put any intention on your marriage, it's probably not going to be a great one. If you never put any awareness and intention on great parenting, you're probably not going to have a great parenting relationship with your kids. And it's the same thing when it comes to your finances. So when we have that awareness, that itself can begin to save you money. I mean, it might be the simple thing of recognizing that you're paying for things that you're not even using anymore. Maybe it's an old gym membership that you haven't been to in the last six months because you're not planning to go and maybe you've switched your exercise regimen. Or maybe it's a a magazine subscription that isn't even being delivered or that you're not reading. Those can be things that can save you money just because you put your awareness on finding out where your money's going. It also then will help you to stop spending on what's not a priority to you and help you realize that maybe you spend far more in a category than you thought you did. So Bruce, let's talk about how somebody would get started from the very top if they were starting with really not a lot of awareness of their cash flow. Where would you say the number one top place to start is? Well, I do this every morning and it doesn't take a lot of time, but just like I think you should develop routines Uh, throughout your life about when you get up every morning, when you go to bed every morning, that's best for your health. What you put in your body every day, develop those routines. I think it's also important that you simply develop the routine that you check your accounts every day. Now, some people say, well, why would I do that? Well, first of all, fraud runs rampant in our society. Um, I have caught many things on my uh, bank accounts, my credit card accounts, that people have actually used my numbers. And if you catch them right away, it's a lot easier to take care of them. It also it also reminds you what you spent money on the day before. And you can be aware like, and have that kind of feeling in your body, did I really need that or not? <laughs> and you can also see, did I, did I transfer money when I got paid, did I transfer money from my uh, put and take account, which we call checking accounts, to my savings account automatic, automatically uh, to pay myself first? So just being aware of where your money is flowing on a daily basis is, is the same way as I feel like I'm aware of what I put in my body every day, uh, every morning, uh, a nice bowl of oatmeal 
to get the morning started. So I, I do believe that the simple act of checking your accounts every day um, is something that a person can do just to get started. I absolutely agree. And I think um, that even committing to that habit is something that is easier maybe said than done because if you're not sure what you're looking at yet or you're not aware of of what has been happening up until this point, that can be something that you can say, well, what am I looking for when I get into that account? And I love just, Bruce, how you said even things like fraud or um, just evaluating the purposefulness of the expenses that you did have and then are you paying yourself first? So those are some really great keys there. Yeah, well, here's, a, here's an example about, and this is, uh, you know, probably eight or nine months ago, I open up my one of my uh, accounts and I see, and I now have a $20 service charge. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what is this service charge for? And so I called the bank up and they said, oh, well, didn't you, didn't you read the email? Which I didn't. Um, we, we now have a service charge on our checking accounts. And I have five checking accounts. So a lot of people would think, well, $20 is, you know, you think, well, it's 20, that's $20 a month though. So that's a hundred dollars a month for the entire year. That's $1,200. So I simply told them, uh, what can I, or I asked them, and then I told them, I asked them, (laughs) what can I do to prevent from getting this $20? And they said, well, you need to keep more money in the account because I don't like keeping money in the bank. I sweep it to my life insurance accounts. Mm-hmm. And they said, and I said, well, I don't want to keep more money in your bank. And they said, well, that's what you're going to have to do. I said, well, you're either going to change, you're going to change this for me, or I'm going to move my money from this bank to another bank that I know I don't have to pay this service charge. And they said, well, let me talk to my manager. And they came back and said, uh, if you agree to keep X amount of dollars, which was only a little bit more, then we will uh, not charge you that that twenty dollars because I I reminded them that I had been a I'd been a client of theirs for twelve years. It's not like mm-hmm. I I just showed up yesterday, and so a lot of people don't know you can do these type of negotiations. Now this was a a small bank in St. Louis. You couldn't do that with probably with Bank of America or Chase or well, right. Fargo. But you have to be willing to, I had to be willing to move my money, which everybody knows is, is a pain because I got a lot of things connected to my accounts. Right. Uh, Absolutely. But you have to, so that's just a simple way, uh, another simple thing that I found $1,200 that would have been flowing out of my control because I, w- I checked my accounts every day. Right, which is just simply having the awareness then allowed you to recognize that. Otherwise, you probably would never have even noticed and then just wondered why why $1,200 seemed to evaporate in thin air. And that's basically what it was doing. So I would also say something really important is, especially if you're talking with a spouse, if you're in a married situation or a partner, I would start by talking about what are your top priorities? Because I think a lot of times we spend feeling like, well, we just have to spend because this is the way we've always done things. But if you really step back and evaluate your priorities and your objectives, kind of your life mission and say, what is most important to us? If we stopped everything today and then started again from scratch, what would we add in first? What's the most important things? And I think you'll probably find that when you have a list of priorities, that you'll be 
more easily able to match up your spending to those priorities. It's like this, like we're talking about health earlier. If health is really important to you, and maybe a portion of that is preparing your own meals at home, maybe you're finding out that you have a lot of spending at 7-Eleven on a regular basis because maybe you haven't planned for that healthful eating habit at home. That 7-Eleven spending habit might be something that is out of alignment with your priorities. Now, I am no one else is the judge of your priorities. If a, if a priority is to you to have that convenience, then that is a valuable spending for you. But if if that's not part of your priorities, it's something that you want to be aware of so that you can minimize that. Is that is that coming across clearly? Absolutely. Bruce? It's it's absolutely coming across and I know one of the other things we've talked about is is canceling memberships that you no longer use. Uh, mm-hmm. Magazines, car wash, gym memberships. Um, I used to I used to follow this into this all the time. Now we only pay for our gym memberships up front. Uh, part of the part of the reason gym memberships are so successful is um, you pay for it on a monthly basis, so it's a less it's less of a commitment. So you think, oh, well, if I'm only paying fifteen dollars, I don't really have to go. But if you pay for it all up front, I, I personally believe that you, you think, hey, I just paid one hundred and eighty dollars for this. I need to go. And if you pay it all up front, it doesn't automatically renew either. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every time I'm in a situation where somebody says, hey, you can have a th- and, and, and this is a mindset again. People are offered a month free trial, three months free trial, six months free trial. The first thing you need to ask them, and I'm going to I'm going to say direct TV. I use direct TV and they offered me, mm-hmm. hey, you can have the NFL football package. Um, for free for one year. And here's the question you have to always ask them when they say, what happens at the end of the year? year?" Well, Uh it renews for the next year. Well, at what rate? (laughs) What do you mean it renews for next year? Well, you're going to be charged for it. Well, I don't want, I don't want it the next year. Well, then you're going to have to call and cancel it. So all Mm -hmm. these are about calling and canceling. And there are a high percentage of people that never call and cancel. And how do I know that? Because I go through cash flow awareness exercises with my clients all the time. It's just human nature. Once again, it gets into our time starved environment that we are in. So even people Mm -hmm. that are are really good at saving, even people that are uh, well off and they don't really have to look at these things. Um, as far as living the life they want to live now and in the future, if they want to increase their awareness, they're going to look at every aspect of their life and how money's flowing out of their control. Absolutely. So let's dig into real quickly here. What does it actually look like to track your money? Now, there are so many different ways that you can track your money that it's not even funny. I mean, you could print out your bank statements every month and analyze those. You could create your own spreadsheet. You could use our spreadsheet that we'll have attached to the podcast, um, to the show notes for this podcast. You can use a program like mint.com, which I personally love. There's also numerous other programs that you can use that are electronic online and they link to your accounts and then um, show you your, um, your spending from there. So the purpose of any of these though is to be able to look at your transactions. 
like Bruce was saying, to be able to be mindful of where the money's going. Um, Bruce, I want to share a little bit about mint.com and kind of how I would go through that because we do use that regularly in our life. Um, and then I want to talk about <clears throat> kind of the categorizing what types of spending if you're working through a spreadsheet or even just mentally um, in, in a second from there as well. So with mint.com, it's an online tool. It's free to use and it links up to any bank accounts, credit cards. You can even link it to asset accounts as well and loans that you're paying. And it will pull everything into one place and it will categorize them for you. So what's really cool about this is that it will give you an idea of saying, well, if you shopped at 7-Eleven, it's going to assume that that's gas and put that into a gas account for you and add up those types of transactions and give you the total that you're spending in that month. So what you can do is you can move transactions around because maybe you shopped at 7-Eleven and it wasn't for gas. You picked up some groceries instead. So you want to move that to another account instead. Um, but what you can do is you can look at approximately what you're spending each month in each category. Uh, sometimes you're going to have to be aware, though, if you pulled out cash for something that's not going to show up on the bank statement. So you're going to have to be mindful of that and categorize that separately. But I love a few things about mint.com. Is you can have overflow accounts. So if you set, say, $100 a month for clothing, then you can roll that forward. So if you don't spend it this month, it will roll forward into next month and you'll have 200 next month or 300 the following if you still haven't spent it. So you can kind of build up within the accounts to be able to, to spend more in the future if you want. There's another option within mint.com that has some, um, some bi-weekly or um, like bi-monthly spending. So you could say, well, I spend 150 every three months in this category. Or maybe you have something like I have HOA fees that are due twice a year. So I've spent this much every six months. And so then it will build up a buffer to prepare for that expense that comes out maybe quarterly or annually inside of your checking account, which will just build up at the bottom of your checking account. It will build that buffer. And then you'll be able to spend at the time that the spending is due, but you've been planning for it all along. So those are just some great features that I love within mint.com that really helps us in our life to be really strategic than to be able to sit down on a usually weekly basis and skim through those accounts, make sure everything's tracking correctly and make sure that we're spending where we want to spend and then make adjustments as needed. And and, uh, and the professional mint.com is using a program like QuickBooks for business owners. Yes. Yeah, I am absolutely yeah. amazed how many business owners that I have my first consultation with and ask them, well, how do you take care of your expenses, uh, accounts receivable? And they say, well, I just write them out. And they have no idea at any given point mm -hmm. where they are because they're not tracking their expenses and their income, the revenue. Uh, Which is really helpful instead to see it. I mean, this is something that I forgot to even mention, but it's, it will show you then at any given point in time. So if I look at it today, it will show me here's the expected spending for grocery, say it's 600 for that particular um, account item. And I've spent to date 325, then it will show me where I'm tracking in that particular spending plan for the month and how much I have left. And if I'm planning, if I'm tracking to go over or tracking to go under, I can plan along the way instead of just looking at it at the end of the month and saying, oh no, we went over. We can make modifications along during the month. 
as well, we it to. also helps. You know, we we espouse everybody to try to get to a revenue point where being an S corporation is 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 something that you set up for yourself. And an S corporation then makes you an employee of your corporation and you should be paying mm-hmm. yourself the minimum of of uh, what your fixed costs you've uh, determined that are in your personal life. And that's this is probably a good transaction or transition then to the different type of expenses. So so when we look yeah. at when we look at expenses in in your business and your personal life, you should look at what the fixed costs are. This is something people do in business all the time. They say, okay, well, I have my my mortgage, I have my leases on equipment, I have my insurances, and every other thing that's the same cost every month. And those are fixed costs. In your personal life, it's usually your housing costs, whether it's your uh, mortgage or rent. It's it's a car loan. If you have a car loan, it's a student loan. Anything that you know every month is going to be the same. That's mm-hmm. a fixed cost. Then a variable expense would be things that, just like it says, it's variable. The, uh, people would say, well, utilities are variable. You can, through most utility companies, turn variable expense, uh, utility expenses into fixed expense and then adjust them once a year. That's that's a personal yeah, basically, it averages what you're looking at for the whole Personal year. Personal preference if you want to do that. But variable expenses mm-hmm. would be like gasoline, food, clothing, uh, anything, entertainment, anything that you, you don't spend the same amount on every month. And then you're going to have quarterly or annual expenses or semi-annual expenses. Um, like you had mentioned, HOA is a, is a good example. In Missouri, we have personal property taxes along with real estate taxes. Some people have quarterly insurance payments to make or semi-annual insurance payments to make, but you need to track that. And, and finally, you need to account for true emergencies that are completely unseen. And they're harder to figure out, but we're talking about um, you know the, the hot water or the water heater breaks down, you have auto repairs, tire replacement, home repairs, doctor visits, and those we believe should actually have a separate category, not just come out of your savings account. So kind of an unforeseen account because those unforeseen accounts happen on a regular regular basis. They do. And I think that's the interesting thing about them is that you could say, oh, it was completely unpredictable, but we all know that they're a part of life as well. At some point, the car is going to need service. At some point, your home is going to need some kind of repair. So it's something that you can say, I didn't have any idea that it was coming, but really we can plan something for them. And maybe you'll adjust that account or that line item, that spending plan as you go through life, because it might fluctuate up and down over time. Same way with the business. (laughs) Absolutely. So with that, we're going to, as I mentioned, have the spreadsheet attached for doing your own cash flow awareness. And so I would suggest working through that by first putting your income in the income boxes and then working through your expenses as Bruce just mentioned. So first with your fixed expenses, then your variable, then your quarterly or annual, and then your true emergencies. And think through those in terms of a monthly average. So if it's a variable expense, you're looking at, well, if you spend 
300 for groceries and then 450 and then 700 and then 150, average that and figure out what is a typical month. What does an average look like? And then you can build your spending plan around the average. If it's a quarterly or annual expense, break that down into the monthly portion of that and put that on the spreadsheet. And you can use your own spreadsheet as well. Ours will automatically calculate what your monthly cash flow is based on your income and expenses. And just as I'm mentioning that, you may start working from receipts to plug those numbers in, or you can print out your bank statements and then go through them to put the numbers over onto a spreadsheet, whatever works best for you. I mean, some people prefer to be more tangible and hands-on and write things out for themselves. Some people would rather do it electronically through a computer program. So it depends on what your method of learning and capturing this works best. But again, the point is to figure out what's the cash flow amount, how much is left over that we're being able to, to direct to, to savings and then to actually put that into savings before we spend going forward. Yeah. And what's, this comes down to mindset again. I mean, if you're, if you're sitting there thinking, um, I'm going to do this, I'm going to start to do this. I really need to start to do this and you don't do it. You're going to continue next month to say, I really need to start to do this. I'm going to do this and you don't do it. <laughs> and then you're going to say it the third month and you're going to continue to say it. You need to start developing it as a habit if you're going to change anything in your life or you're just going to keep getting what you always have gotten in your life. And you know, I'll say something about that. I think with anything that is a new habit, it's not going to feel easy at first. It's not going to feel like you're in a state of flow while you're working on it. You might struggle through it a bit, but at the same time, there will always in anything that you develop a new habit in, you will get to a state of this is easy and it's easy to maintain, but you have to go through that challenging portion at the beginning first to, to get to that, um, the end result and the feeling of satisfaction that it was easy for you after you got through that hard spot. And then it's something that you now can feel in control of. I do want to point out real quick here as well, if I mentioned average expenses, but if you're in a position of fluctuating income. Maybe you're in an industry where you have a lot of income during certain months and then income really tightens up and slows down during some of the other months of the year. If you're in that position, what you want to do is plan from averages. If you can get into a position where you look at your annual income or your annual expenses in a certain category, average those down into the monthly. And then if you plan your spending According to averages, what will end up happening is over time, it will all even out. So you'll have months where you have the higher income. If you don't spend the full high income, but you spend your average, then the months that you have lower income, you're still going to spend the average. You're going to end up balancing everything out over time. So that's just a key if you have that. It's the same way with business owners. I mean, we're going into the holiday season uh, here uh, while we're doing this podcast. And, you know, you have seen or I've seen statistics where some businesses will make as much as 60 to 75% of all their revenue for the entire year based on the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a good handle on your expenditures um, and purchases for your business uh, for those other times during the year, you're not going to survive. Every one of our listeners out there can think of a business that they believe was successful because they, they, there was always people in it. They thought, oh, look, they're doing a lot of advertising. They're doing this. They're, they have a really good product. Mm-hmm. And yet, the, you know, one day they go and their doors are closed. And, and the reason right. that 
that, that has happened could be multiple. It could be personal. It could be health. But a lot of times it's because they simply had no idea where their money was flowing. Absolutely. And that's what we don't want to do in our personal life. We don't want to end up one day having to close the doors on our personal life. And that could look like, I don't know, bankruptcy or something like that. But we just want to be in a position where we know we're moving towards time and money freedom. We're moving towards more savings, more assets that produce cash flow and building that income that is sustainable in the future. So as we wrap towards a close here, once you start tracking your money, then you want to maintain this uh, again on a daily or weekly or at least a monthly basis. But you want to have a consistent time frame that you're looking at your spending. And honestly, I can attest to this from from my personal life. I don't look at it every week. I do know my husband is in our accounts probably more on a daily or every other day basis. And then we look at it, we try to once a week, but it's usually more like about every two weeks. But when we sit down together, our meeting of reviewing everything and talking about future income, future expenses, how we want to handle things, what we might have spent that we didn't want to spend, and planning and being strategic, that usually lasts between five to 10 minutes. So it's something that's easy to maintain. If you need to spruce it up, if you need to make it a date night and do it right before a movie or have a glass of wine while you're looking at your your numbers, make it fun. Don't Don't make it something that has to be a drudgery. It's not something that's just a chore in your life. It's something that can certainly be a very fun part of your life as you're planning your financial future together with someone. Really, as we're wrapping up then, so Bruce, there's several benefits then of doing a cash flow awareness. And really here, the goal is to plan for your expenses, but not to get so far in the weeds that you lose sight of the objective. And really keeping that at the forefront of your mind, the goal is to have savings first. And to get to a point that you have 20 to 30% of your income going to savings before you spend the rest. And that's really the goal, the purpose, the reason why we're we're being aware of our finances and our outflows. So I would say also being flexible and willing to change as your life changes, as different financial needs arise, you're going to have in, increases in certain types of expenses and decreases in others. You can adjust those over time. It's not something that's going to stay rigid, but it's going to be just as fluid as your own life. And then you want to be proactive and intentional and have spending that matches your values. And all of this then lines up to give you that guilt-free spending when you do plan to spend in advance on things that are important to you, things like vacations or having certain things in your home so that you can entertain guests or um, going out to shows or hosting dinner parties or whatever that is that really gives you purpose and reason for being alive and really truly brings you joy. You're able to spend on those things without guilt because you've planned for them in advance. And so that really then allows you to have this enjoyment as you plan and execute your financial life together and have this peace of mind that you know that you're not only living that life that you enjoy today, but you're also creating that space to know that you're going to be able to enjoy your life tomorrow. So in conclusion, you have a choice here. You can stay frustrated and confused with a lack of clarity on where your money is going and let your lack of cash flow control your destiny, or you can take these action steps that we've talked about to gain that awareness of your cash flow and get on the path towards time and money freedom. Now, in closing, you can get our ready-made, customizable, hands-on spreadsheet tool that 
will help you quickly gain that perspective on your own, looking at your cash flow awareness. And it's one that we use personally and for our clients. And so it's a tool that is time tested and will be of great benefit to you. Now, if you're already saving each month, but you want to use a better tool for saving to get higher tax exempt growth and greater accessibility, let us help you determine whether privatized banking might be a fit for you. You can contact us to find out the one thing that you should be doing today to optimize your personal economy and accelerate time and money freedom. Now, when we talk, you'll also find out about cash flow awareness and how that can be a part of your journey. So thank you, Bruce, for being on the show today. Thanks for sharing your perspective and your wisdom and helpful tips and your personal experience in cash flow awareness and how this can help all of us to up-level our personal economy. Absolutely. Uh, I'll close by saying it seems like a daunting task, but just choose one thing to do to move forward and then add the second thing when you're ready. Uh, That's perfect. That's perfect. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.